Hi, I'm Reverend Jillian Edwards, your host for Tales from the Reading Room. I'm so thrilled to have a conversation with today's guest, James Hyman. He's joining me all the way from London, England. I've got my tea. You grab yours. Let's get cozy and learn more about this medium's journey. Hello, friends. Welcome. I've been looking forward to this conversation for weeks. My guest today is James Heinemann. He's a spiritual medium, an international tutor. He holds a teaching diploma from the Spiritualist National Union, which is from London, England. He studied at the Arthur Finley College, which we're totally going to talk about. He's also a well-respected teacher and medium. I'm going to add He's someone with great integrity and compassion. I had the chance to witness his mediumship last week, and it was fantastic. I'm so glad he's joining me today from his home in London, England. James, welcome. Thank you, Gillian. It's lovely to be here. Well, I'm really glad you're with me, and I have so many questions, um, but I thought maybe <laughs> we just sort of start at the beginning you know, so many people have different experiences when it comes to mediumship. And I'm curious, what was your introduction to mediumship, the experience of mediumship? Well, what happened was I lost a partner when I was living in Paris. And when he died, I had a lot of questions, but I never really pursued it or thought more about it. I just thought, why me? You know, and then I moved to Italy. And while I was in Italy, I was very fortunate to meet someone. And um, Antonio was a very good friend. But unfortunately, he passed away as well. And I had all these questions in my head, you know, why two in the space of three years and what was happening in my life at that point. And I passed the spiritualist church. Now, you might say by chance, you know, if you don't know anything about mediumship or spiritualism or you believe in synchronicity, etc. But my soul was ready to be, and my soul was open to the idea of going into a spiritualist church. And I met a friend outside the church. And I went in and I received a message. And the detail that that woman gave me about Antonio was phenomenal. And that sparked a lot of questions, you know, in my head. How did she manage to know that information? Where did she get it from? And I knew that Bill couldn't have given her that information because he didn't know it. And he was sitting next to me as well. She was on the platform. So, of course, as time went on, I would go back for different sittings and at the beginning I find it wonderful in in the you know when you're connecting to that part of uh, spirit they give you so much they really encourage you and of course then when I had the opportunity because I was teaching so I didn't have the chance to go to the college because you know as a teacher your holidays are fixed but once I moved into the airline industry, I could choose the time off. And that changed my whole life. 
And that's when I started to go to the college. It just sparked a whole chain of events where I wanted to learn more and more and more. I'm very curious, at the time that you entered that church for the first time, would you call yourself a skeptic? An atheist, you could call me. Believe it or not, I did not believe there was anything beyond this world. And then, of course, when I went to the church, you know, I was sitting there and, of course, it took me back to my childhood when I had gone to the Church of Scotland. And and I thought to myself, you know, here I am in a church, I don't believe. And, and she was talking about God and, you know, people passing over to the other side, etc. And it didn't fit with me. But clearly within my soul, there was a part of me that believed because I moved forward with that and I wanted to know more and more and more until finally I got to the college and that really helped me to understand how it all worked you know because I don't think that um, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to the churches but they don't always explain to people who are new what is going to happen or how it functions, etc. That's why when I was doing my demonstration last week, I always try to have questions at the end so that people, if they're new or they want to ask something that they're unsure about, they have that opportunity. You were you were intrigued, you were touched, there was an awakening that took place. So you started your training. And a lot of maybe our listeners don't know about the Arthur Finley College. Can you talk about your training experience and about that college? Because it's, it's world-renowned and has a very high standard. Can you talk about your experience there? Um, yes. Well, certainly with the, the first time I went, I have to say that I was petrified. You know, I wasn't sure what was going to happen or you know, was I going to see people at night or, you know, so I was very, very confused, but I was very fortunate that when I went, there was a beginner's course. And so I went right in and they explained the difference between a psychic and a medium. And they worked through a lot of psychic exercises and mediumistic ex exercises with us. And over the, the week, they um, really encouraged us to sort of push ourselves. And what was very important was that we kept feeling into the energy rather than asking questions of the recipient so that we were getting the details and the facts from either the soul of the person in front of us, which is the psychic side, or we were getting it from the spirit world. But they both work in the same way. They work through the same faculties, whether you're working mediumistically or whether you're working psychically, the faculty in the human body is exactly the same. You know, there was a slight difference in energy. But um, at the end of the week, they asked us if we would get up and either do, you know, we could sing a song, we could recite a poem, or we could do a demonstration. And of course, I was desperate to get up and do a demonstration. And I, at the end of the week, I couldn't believe it that I was on the platform and I was getting this information. Mm. And I, I, you know, I always believed that when, once they've got you, that's it. Then <laughs> it changes and it keeps changing and it'll never stop changing. But 
they have to make sure that you're comfortable and that you're ready to move forward, you know, and they support you all the way. And it is extraordinary. And once that happened, that was it. There was no going back for me, you see. The standard at the college is extraordinary. They will expect you to get the information. You're not allowed to ask questions. You're not allowed to give too much emotion. You must give facts. And that's what I like about the training. You know, you have to describe the room or the house or the, the job or the, the accident. Or you have to be able to go in to tell a short story about the person's life. Then by all means, you can move on to the emotion and the reason why they have come. You have to learn to hold the power. It's kind of hard to describe, but how would you describe um, being in the power? Because there's people maybe listening who have no idea. Basically, what happens is there's a shift of consciousness. So you move from this world. And basically, when you're doing a demonstration, for example, there's maybe 100 people, 150 people there. You, you see them, but you don't see them. It's a bit like when you drive your car from A to B every day. You get from one place to another and you say to yourself, goodness, I don't remember passing that. I don't remember because you're in your own little world. That's the way I would describe it. You kind of dis the, the audience disappears in some ways because you're so connected with the spirit world. I know you alluded to it earlier. Your definition of a medium versus a psychic. One reads the soul of the person in front of you, and one connects to the soul in spirit. That is basically the difference. The difference. But whether the soul is living or has passed to the, the other side, it's that connection that you're using. What is important is when you're doing a demonstration or a private sitting, is that you're able to feel the difference of when you're working with mother in spirit, and then the energy drops because it's easier for you to pick the energy or the information up from the person in front of you. And then you say to them, I know that my, your mother wants you to know X, Y, and Z, or I can feel from you. And then you sing to the person indirectly, I'm working with your energy now rather than your mother's. That's a beautiful, beautiful description of that. Thank you. Do you think anyone can be a medium, James? I believe that everyone will have a mediumistic moment in their life. And that's a quote that I, I received from one of my mentors, Mavis Patilla. She is an extraordinary medium. I loved when she said that because, you know, I don't see it as a gift. I see it as an ability. I believe that we've all got an ability. I see it like baking a cake. Some of us can bake a cake better than others. We've all got things that we can do well. And I would say that you know, there are people out there that would, don't realize it, but could do it. It frightens a lot of people. That is why education is so important. I feel that there's a, a lack of education in the world today. Uh, I don't understand it because we have, you know, internet and all the different uh, forms of different platforms that we can use. Uh, but when you look at the mediums of old, the standard of their mediumship 
was extraordinary. Absolutely, the details that they could give. If you look to Bertha Harris, she would uh, give sittings to royalty and to scientists and to politicians. And she was spot on. It's an old, what would you call it? An art, like you said, not a gift, an ability. It's an ability, but I believe that everyone can do it. We, we all have psychic moments. Mm. We all have them. You know, you walk into a room, you feel the chill in the air, or you feel the fun and the happiness. So we've all got that. That's the psychic side. But I do believe because it works through our imagination, there will be moments where people will say, oh, that's just my imagination. I was thinking of my, you know, my mother, or I was thinking of my, my son that passed. And, and, you know, and yet there'll be moments where the spirit world, they're desperate to come through and talk and they want to come through and communicate. Now, not all of them. Some of them never come back because they don't have to. I see a bit like a telephone. You know, if you want to pick the telephone up and call someone, you can do. And then will you answer? That's the question. And I know you've done a, a lot of work around the world and you've done public and private readings and public demonstrations have you ever had an experience where you're just in awe many 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 one of them that i found that stands out was that i was invited to go and work in adelaide and i have a cousin that lives in adelaide and of course i thought well i'll surprise them rather than phone my aunt and get the address she lives in glasgow and so i said right okay I was working away and I, I took the, um, the directory and I found the name and I said, right, I will go on Sunday afternoon and surprise them. So on Friday evening, I was doing a demonstration at the church in Adelaide and I had a lady and I knew she was from the UK. I knew that I was looking for someone that worked in a hospital and I wanted to connect to that person, the recipient in the room. No one spoke at the beginning. And then finally, this lady at the back said, I can understand everything you've said. And at that point, she, she spoke, she spoke in this broad Glaswegian accent. And anyway, I gave her the information. That was fine. And at the end, she came down and she said to me, Jim, can I have a word with you? And I said, yes, of course. She says, I believe I'm your cousin's wife. And I said, oh, I was going to come and surprise you. And she said, and then we talked about the address and everything. She said, well, just as well you didn't, because that's not our address. And I thought to myself, there you go. So it was this amazing connection that took place in several ways, if you like. Yeah. And I don't see that as being a coincidence. I got chills when you were telling that story. It's that's a tell that sign when you get the chills that, you know, it was true connection. That's fantastic. It was just, it, it was extraordinary. You know, we talk about mediumship and I, I'd be curious on your opinion, you know, do you think you could do mediumship without being connected to spirit or the God of your understanding? I know different people have different ideas on this. My understanding is that mediumship is the connection to the spirit world. Yeah. So because you are in the middle, that is why you're called the medium. 
So yes. you have the spirit world, you have the medium, and then you have the recipient. So I I, I don't know if I'm ask, answering your question, Gillian. Well, I think I, I think you're you're being polite and saying, of course, <laughs> of course, you you're connected to the divine energy. I just know that I've spoken to different people who think that. Eh, you don't really need to. Well, in those cases, you're either working psychically with the person or as I see, because uh, because I teach, I have to observe the energy very closely to see if they're in the power. Because if you're not in the power, you will not be able to work. And usually when you're in the power, there's a quickening that comes and you can see them kind of, almost disappearing yes. as I said to you before you know there's that feeling of where when you're demonstrating you feel as if you're disappearing but when you observe them as well you you should see the medium change and that's where the information starts to come through if they're exactly the same as they are as when they're you know making a cup of tea etc I question that yeah, that's a perfect way to describe it. I've had the opportunity where I studied in Lilydale to tutor uh, in the beginning programs, and you know exactly when the shift takes place before they do sometimes, especially when they're learning, but you can feel it and see it. You're right. You can observe it and you can feel it. So that's beautiful. For those people who, who are listening and are kind of curious because when you describe the power, you know, how does one get to that state? You have to learn to sit in the power. And that's an exercise which is not, it is a, it is a meditation, but it's not a meditation as people understand it. Meditation is generally the quietening of the mind and being with self. And that's fine. And it's very important to do that if, if you want. But you also have to work on the expanding the mind, as if you're, uh, what I tend to do is, uh, you imagine you're sitting in a room and then your aura expands where you touch the walls and you take in the pictures, the lamps, the sofa, the different types of furniture, the color, and then you move beyond that and start to move outside the house. Then you see the different types of houses, the plants, the animals, the different cars, the different food, etc. Because you're trying to expand your mind so that when you're working, you're in that same space so that you can describe a lamp, so that you can describe, you know, the dogs or the water or the plants, whatever it is that you have. So it's learning to allow your mind to travel. And as you do so, you expand your aura and that's giving you the power. Yeah. Because it's... It, Working with the spirit world is very much about you expanding and moving out the way so that you can link to them. It's not about going in. Right. And it's very profound. Yes, it's extremely profound. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing because the soul, then your soul touches their soul. Yeah. And that's when the two connect together. And then you're able to blend and give that information to the person who is sitting waiting for the loved one to come through. Now, there's no guarantee that the loved one will come through, 
but you you know you can do your your best to try and and help them with that you spoke earlier about you know being a student at arthur finley when we were talking earlier and sort of how um you start uh, you start your experience as a medium and you're constantly your mediumship uh, is constantly changing and growing the more you work with spirit and um i know i found that profound changes at different times, sometimes expected, sometimes not expected at all, but always sort of fantastic. And absolutely when you're, yeah, spirit works with you in different ways. And what's been your most, you know, sort of powerful experience in that way when, when giving a reading or when doing a public demonstration and you notice the shift, like all of a sudden you're doing something different that's where the trust comes in with the, the spirit world. I have to say I was in New Zealand. I was on the platform. And all of a sudden, I knew I had a carpenter. But the energy was different to how it normally is when I have the carpenter in spirit. And something said to me, you are going to have to trust and so I put it out and I said, I'm looking for the carpenter in the audience whose mother is in spirit. And the gentleman put his hand up. And that actually happened with the incident with my cousin, where I was struggling very much with, do I have a nurse or do I have a doctor? And is the doctor in spirit? Or do I have a nurse or a doctor in the room? And because I was unsure at the beginning with that, what I, I had to trust that I was going to the room. And I said, I'm looking for someone who works in a hospital because I was unsure of where I was with um, which department I was actually in. But I knew I was in a hospital. And as it turned out, it was correct. So it's learning to trust and of course, your wording is very important because you need to be very careful. If you're unsure if it is a nurse or a doctor, then you can say medical because that way you won't narrow it down with the person said, well, you said nurse and she was a doctor, you see. And in fact, I if I may, sorry, I was just going to give you an example that happened the other day. Uh, there's a beautiful rose bowl that sits on the table and I looked at it and I knew that I, I wanted a, what I felt was a, a bowl. So I kept saying a bowl. And this lady said, I can take it, but it's a vase. Well, of course, if I'd realized that the rose bowl was actually a vase, then I would have, but I had just slightly misinterpreted. And you see, and that's why I had the gap where no one would take it until finally, and then after that, it's okay. So it's very important how you word things as well. It's true. And I, I think, you know, we're, we're pulling back the curtain a bit here. But I think one of the things that people don't realize is that, you know, a medium is doing several things at once, communicating out loud to the audience, connected to spirit, and asking questions to move the story along 
or to, as you just described, filter or, or discover more, right? If, you know, that trust, you can say, I need more, or what does this mean, or show me more. People don't always know that you're kind of doing three, at least three things at once. Yeah, I don't ask of the spirit world anymore. I just let them tell their story. I don't ever go back to them and say, you know, um, okay, I need more, etc. because I felt that that always broke the chain because you start to demand of the spirit world. And when you demand of them, it won't work. Whereas if you, uh, and I, I'm going back to situations where I did a sitting not that long ago, and I said to the young lady, I have two dogs and I have a gentleman and I described where he would walk, etc. And she said, no. So I said, I'm going to just have to park that for the moment. And I went on with the sitting. That was fine. And then it came to the point where her father had had this rift with a younger gentleman. And she said, yes, that's correct. Mm. And I know it's quite poignant for her. And I said, you understand with the two dogs, the parks, the lake and the trees fit in there. And she said, she laughed and she said, yes. Yeah. And so if you allow it, if you allow the spirit to talk to you and you allow them to flow through you, if you start asking them for this and that, you will, it will become disjointed. The story won't unfold the way the spirit world wants the story to unfold, not the way the medium does. James, uh, you've you've just alluded to, and I sort of talked about it at the very beginning, that you've traveled around the world and you've done demonstrations in different parts of Canada and the US and definitely in Europe and in Australia and New Zealand. And I'm just curious, do you notice any differences? The difficulties are the same. Uh, what I find is what is acceptable in the UK, you know, for, from because all my training was at the, the Arthur Finley College. Yes. So that is my benchmark. Yeah. And it's a high benchmark. Yes. It is an extremely high benchmark because the standard, the tutors I had were extraordinary. The information that they could bring through and it was all facts and story. And then very much at the end, there was perhaps a minute of emotion and explaining why they had come through. And sometimes they didn't. It was enough that the spirit world had come to say, I'm okay, I'm fine, I, I love you, and I'm here. And that was it, really. So sometimes there isn't, because I what I do find a lot of is this counselling that goes on. So that mediumship is seen as a form of counseling. You know, that you say, well, I have your mother here. I know she was a lovely lady. She was well liked. That is emotion. That is not a fact. There's no meat on the bone for me in those, those circumstances. And then they go straight into the message. That is why we have so many skeptics because there, there is no real facts there. You know, did the woman, the woman, the mother would have had a full life. Did she read? Did she sew? How did she pass? Where did she live? Uh, did she have friends? Was there a moment in her life that she wants to remember? 
thank you at the end for being there at the end for me. I'm glad you got the ring, but there has to be some, as I say, meat on the bone. And I, no matter where I go in the world, I notice that there is this acceptance of this counselling that goes on. And that shows you there is a real need within the world for people to understand what mediumship is about and its purpose. The spirit world comes through, first of all, for them to heal and make a change. They want to make a difference because if we don't have the spirit world, we have nothing. Then the recipient and then the medium. And that's the important part. The medium comes last. Why are you a medium? I didn't choose it. What I find is that it feeds my soul now. Now, at the beginning, I wasn't too sure of why I was doing it. But I did go on and do the educational side of the Spiritualist National Union because I wanted to truly understand it. And I suppose in some ways, I was because I was a teacher, I had to learn and really kind of get to grips with it. And I wanted also to educate people as to what mediumship is actually all about. What is its purpose and why do we do it? And so that's where I am today very much on the educational side of things. The purpose of this podcast is to do just that, to sort of pull back the curtain and allow people to understand the benefits, shall we say, or uh, the possibilities that mediumship offers. I'm curious, do you have a reading room? I don't because I'm currently in London, but I live in Paris. And of course, with my work in the airlines, I'm back and forth. But the situation at the moment is, of course, a little difficult getting back and forward. So I'm, I'm here at the moment, but I don't have a reading room. I do most of my readings by Skype or Zoom. Yeah. And so I don't really need one. Yeah. Um, I would say that my clients are based in... Canada, US, New Zealand, and Australia. So the reading room <laughs> wouldn't really be much use to me. Who would you recommend goes and sees a medium? Rather than recommend, I, I feel that it's when, when your soul, uh, perhaps if someone's distraught, you know, and they, they feel that they want some comfort from the fact that, that there is life after after this world, then they should consider it at some point. I wouldn't say it's obligatory, but it can bring a lot of comfort to know that the person on the other side is well. Now, they might not come through. Someone else might come through. But still, that allows the souls to touch one another and for them to understand that there is life after this world. I feel it's when the time is right, you know, and some people don't need to, but it can help with the grieving process. And I think that's very important. I know it helped me. And then I wanted to understand more about it. And 
I love it now because it brings such a peace to me. Someone who didn't believe in life after death is now like 100% sure that when I leave this world, I know that there is something beyond this world. And it, there is no pain, there is no suffering. There's just this feeling of love, compassion, learning. And that is something that is quite extraordinary because the feeling you have from the spirit world when you're working is that feeling of love and peace. How has that love and peace changed you? I would say that I'm a lot calmer. I see the world in a different light now. Sometimes I don't feel that I fit into this world in the sort of normal way of, you know, the car, two children, partner, etc. Because I'm always hopping around the, the world. And particularly the, the current situation, you know, with the, the pandemic that we have, I just feel that uh, I, I look at it and I, I say to myself, there is a reason for this. And hopefully one day we will understand it. We may have to wait till we go to the other side and then we see things in a different light. But I always believe that even in these moments of darkness, there will be light. You know, I see things in a very positive way now. Everything that we do and everything that we experience is for our soul to learn. Yeah. Have you ever experienced phenomenon? I have not been fortunate enough to see ectoplasm. I have experienced trance demonstrations at the college and I, we have done a few experiments where we had infrared cameras and we were playing lots of music. And then when we played it back on the screen, we could see these little balls of uh, light shooting across the room. And if you looked very closely inside the balls of light, there were actual faces. And so those are the, you know, I love all of these little experiments that you can do. Uh, I've, I had a friend in New Zealand, she was a brilliant artist. And so I said to her, would you like to work with me? And she was petrified, but I managed to get her on the platform and she sat at the back. And I said, you know, I, I, I took her into the, the back room and we, we sat and I said, right, do I have a man or a woman? And she said, you, there's a man with you. And I said, right, that's correct. Can you tell me if he's old or young? She said, he's old. I said, right, fine. I said, right, now I'm connecting to someone else who have I got. And she said, it's a woman, she's middle-aged. I said, that's correct. I said, that's what you're going to do, but you're going to draw the picture. So you're able to connect to me. So at that point, she was drawing away and a lot of the pictures were taken, uh, which was, I, I love that sort of stuff, where we try different things and we kind of think out of the box. So had she had training before or she was just a longtime artist? She was an artist, but she, uh, her mother runs the spiritual church in New one of the churches in New Zealand. And so she had a very good understanding of it, but she had never, you know, actually got up and done a demonstration or given a sitting, but she could link. I knew she could link. I knew she could. 
and I wouldn't have asked her to do it if I, I couldn't if I hadn't seen the potential within her and that was extraordinary and one time I got her to draw in New Zealand while I was demonstrating in London and then I sent the pictures out and that was that was great as well you know I'm sure people would love that because the spirit world doesn't you see we're people will say oh I've got to be in the same room as you when you're doing the sitting no, no because if you read the Fox sisters you'll realize that in their book the sisters were separated but Charles uh, C. Rosner was continuing to speak to both of them and they were in two different households yeah. so you know the spirit world doesn't have that physical like disability if you like where you know you, we can only be in one place at one time they can jump from one place to another it can be two places at the one time just because we are talking and and people are listening and thinking um and probably intrigued by by mediumship and I, I'm wondering if you have any other stories, not revealing any names or anything, but of of an experience in a reading room. You know, sometimes people come in who are skeptical, um, and I can think of times where, at least two in my personal experience, where someone comes in and they're literally not even they they they're curious, but they don't want to give anything away. You know, I remember one time a woman sat sat the other way her arms were crossed her legs were crossed the only thing that sort of moved was her head when I started the reading and by the end she completely had turned around and was engaged and you know because it was affirming the information was affirming to her and I'm just wondering can you describe a time where maybe somebody came skeptical or, or just curious but unsure and then had the experience of spirit and and changed a little bit or or walked away thinking differently? I've certainly had quite a few of those. Uh, there was a lady who came, in fact, it was here in the UK, and she sat down and I described a gentleman and I talked about the photograph and the frame and and she was still very sceptical. And at the end, she took the photograph and the frame out of her handbag. <laughs> And she said, is this the picture you saw? And I said, well, I talked about the picture. I talked about the frame. I said, and the gentleman. And, you know, so I gave her stuff which she would have to take away and process. But there's a part of her, even today, because I, I, I she's a friend of a friend, if you like. Um, and... I know that she still goes to different mediums because there is one particular thing she wants, but she's demanding of the spirit world. And the day she lets that go, hopefully it'll come through, you know. But it's a shame because she's getting a lot of information and she's not prepared to accept that. But something's happening because she keeps going. Otherwise, if she was skeptical... And she said, there's a lot of rubbish. She wouldn't be going. We do our best, you know, and I know when I am connected and I know that if it's not working, I always start and I work for 10 minutes. And if it's not working, I stop and I do not charge my clients. And they have that opportunity as well, because I think it's unethical to keep bashing forward 
when it's a no, a no, a no, and they because they want certain things. And so I'm not the person for them. And it happens on occasions. I, I might do 100 sittings and two will come out of the 100 where it doesn't work. And that's right. okay. I don't have a problem with that anymore. But I will not take money from someone unless I know it's flowing. So can you think of an example that you've experienced of a reading that you'll never forget? Yes. I have to go back to New Zealand. Uh Basically, I have to take you back one step. I was in a spiritualist church and there were three ladies and I knew there were teachers. And I was talking about one of them that was there. It was her mother. And she came through very strongly. And so they decided to come for a, each of them came for a private sitting. And the, the lady that came there were two young ones and there was a lady who was a little bit older. And so when she sat down and I started and I could see the school and I started to see you, there's a new school being built. I said, and I can see you talking to someone very important in government and it's a female and the, the information just flowed. I have never experienced anything like it in my life. And then at the end of it, um, she went out and one of the other girls came in for the, her sitting. And at the end, when they were all leaving, I had all, I've always wanted to see the, um, the haka, you know, in, in New Zealand where they dance and yes. they, they, they go to the marae and they call you in and it's beautiful. It's very, very emotional. And I although you can go to the tourist places, it's never the same. And of course, she worked in a Maori school. They spoke Maori there. And this was actually a school that was being completely rebuilt from scratch. And it was next door to the old school. So she said, if you're free on Wednesday afternoon, come and see the school and we'll show you the plans for the new school. So I went and they, they let me visit the, the old school. I saw all the plans and she said, we want you to come back in two years time when the new school is built so you can see it. And they, you know, they, they called us into the marae and they danced for us and it was extraordinary. It really was. And then at the end, she said to them all, she said, if you have a Scottish connection, stand up and half of them stood up. So it was, it was actually very, very emotional. And then as she walked out, I still, I said, your mother's back again. I said, and she loves your shoes. And she said, she should, they're hers. Oh. And I said, you know, and I, I just thought, oh, there was just this constant connection with her mother because she had started the first school there. You see, she was the headmistress and now her daughter was the headmistress. And in fact, I went back, I think it was the last time I was in New Zealand and they took me to the school and the new school was just absolutely incredible. And, you know, it was, it was lovely to, to give information to someone and then actually see how it had come to fruition. That sometimes you give a sitting to people and you don't know what happens but to be actually part of that was, it was just incredible. It was extremely emotional. Thank you for sharing that story because 
you make me think about, you know, um, as individuals who, who connect with spirit and the spirit world, a whole new sort of life opens up when you do that. And um, as you kindly described earlier, it changes you, changes a person when you, when you do this work. And one other thing that I think it brings is a new community. I mean, how else would you have maybe met those individuals, right? And had that beautiful experience, truly working with spirit, but then the individuals who've come for readings end up sometimes becoming friends. And the opportunity that you had was just so beautiful. It, it, cha- it links you to a whole new group of people, doesn't it? Yes, I've been very fortunate in the sense that, you know, because I, I work in the travel industry, I have been able to travel a great deal and how it has opened up for me, you know, it started, it started off in Canada. And really? then, I, I, yes, I was very, very, very fortunate because I was at the college with a, a two friends. One was Canadian and um, one was Australian. She was actually on um, online last week. She got up at three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning to watch it. So I went to Canada just after I had been at the college and I was staying with friends and, you know, then we just asked around if there was a possibility for me to do a demonstration and there was nothing at the time. And then suddenly uh, one church popped up, then another one popped up and then another one popped up. Well, the first one I went to and Barbara Leonard, God bless her, she has passed now, but I will be eternally grateful to her because I went and I did a, a demonstration. And at the end of it, she, she said to me, I have a question for you, Jim. She said, when will you come and teach? And I said, oh, next year. And I said, oh my goodness, I haven't taught this. Actually. I, and I had a panic moment. I thought, where did that come from? <laughs> but the time was right, you know, and I was also, a, I was a school teacher. so preparation and everything was fine for me and I I had enough because I had studied at the college and I had gone into the the educational side and we haven't really talked about the different workbooks within the SNU but there's lots of written work that you have to do before you can sit your certificate and before you can sit your diploma the diploma I've written probably somewhere about 125,000 words so the that side of things is I had been doing a lot of writing, so I had plenty of material. And then from there, I moved to another church, and then from there I moved to another, and it just it just started to open up. And the same when I went to Australia and to New Zealand. And so it's, it's, it is extraordinary, you know. It's wonderful because I've got so many people that I know in different countries, they help me and I help them. And it is a community. Yes, it is a community. It's great. Do you have books that you suggest people read on uh, when they're beginning or curious about mediumship and spiritualism? What, what would you recommend people look up or, or seek out? Well, certainly, as I said before, if you were to go down the SNU line they would talk to you first of all first of all about the fox sisters so the fox sisters is really the beginning of modern spiritualism and there's a great book which is called talking to the dead 
and represented the Rappings and Charles C. Rosner, who was buried under the house, etc. And he was talking to them. And it's quite fascinating. And that's a, a great starter, if you like. Mm -hmm. Then you have people like Estelle Roberts. She's done, she did 40 years of medium, and I believe she did 50 years of medium as well. So those are great books. And she talks about her guide in that red cloud. Um, everyone knows Sir Arthur Conan Doyle for his books on Sherlock Holmes, mm -hmm. but he's not so well known for his books. And there are two volumes, and that's the history of spiritualism. And that's also, if you didn't go for the Fox Sisters book that I was talking about, Talking to the Dead, the, the history of spiritualism, they're short stories, and there are two volumes there. And that is a great starter as well. He does a, he did a great job on those. Um, if you're more interested in the trans side of things, Helen Duncan, she was a Scottish medium and she was imprisoned under the Witchcraft Act of 1735. Yeah, and so um, they were going to actually execute her and she gave a phenomenal demonstration in from the witness box. And so she, you know, she was saved, but, uh, she did a, a lot of trance work and during the Second World War because, of course, they thought she was a, also a spy. There was all these, you know, different conspiracy stories. And then there's bat Battling Bertha, she was known as. She fought tooth and nail to try and have Helen Duncan freed, but she stood outside the Houses of Parliament as well and tried to have this um, the Witchcraft Act overturned. And she gave, as I said to you earlier on, leaders and scientists and uh, royalty, different members of, of parliament as well, sittings. And so she's remembered for that. And her information was phenomenal. And then there's Harry Edwards. He's more down the healing side because a lot of people like that. So. You know, if you're interested in, people say it's not the same. I believe it is Reiki or, you know, spiritual healing, whatever you want to call it. So Harry Edwards has a sanctuary. Well, he started the sanctuary in the south of London, we'll say. It's, and he, it's still there today. And there's a fabulous book on him. There are actually several books, but he's someone that you could look up. Yeah, he's an Edwards. I'm an Edwards. I would love it if we were related. I don't know if we are, though. <laughs> but healing is healing was the way um, into all of this for me. Yeah, a lot of people do. And then they move in because it's all healing anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when you give a sitting to someone, it's to heal them. It's also to heal the spirit world, but it's to heal the person in front of you. And it also helps the medium as well. There's a, you know, it's a three-way healing, if you like. I also wanted to mention, if I may, the SNU. If you go on to the SNU, the Spiritualist National Union website, they have a store there. And these books that I have mentioned are there. But they also have the pioneers of spiritualism cards and there are 50 of them and there are 50 different uh, pioneers that you can look up and learn a little bit about 
And so that gives you a real uh, broad spectrum of all the different types of mediumship. And I, I, I think that's fascinating because we tend to stick to the same ones, you know. Yes. Depending on the countries that we're in, we know certain pioneers, if you like. But the more we know, the more our mind can be open to different aspects of this, the easier it is to work as well as a medium. So that's why the philosophy is important, the trance is important, you know, the demonstrate, demonstrations are important. And I just, I don't feel there's any part of it we should ever really cut off. I agree 100%. I'm just thinking, I, I'm so grateful for our conversation today. And I was just thinking back, and I don't know, maybe three years now, two, we met very briefly in Lilydale. You were there for something and, and I was there for a brief time and we, we were introduced in amongst group. And I knew you by reputation, good reputation there, uh, James, and uh, lots of friends, <laughs> lots of friends and acquaintances had always lovely things to say about you. And uh, not only as a teacher and a medium, but a person as well. And I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to, to talk to me. Um, and so uh, clear and succinct um, in your explanations. And I'm so grateful because I think when people listen to uh, your description of things, I feel that they're gonna come away with um, such a beautiful understanding of, of mediumship and, and why one might be curious. You know, I was joking with friends a while back saying, well, you go to the dentist, you go to your doctor, you go to church, you know, you go and get your hair cut maybe people should go and visit a medium once in a while, you know, and, um, and, and I just, I thank you for sharing your gift and your time and your stories, because it's the stories, both with, as you describe beautifully as a medium, but also just sharing your experiences, demystify something that is sacred and beautiful. And it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. So thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you very much, Jillian, for allowing me. And I do hope that it sort of pulls back the curtain and people can look at it and say, well, you know, maybe I will go and watch a demonstration or I will read a book, just try and understand it a little bit more. And it's, you know, because it is part of us. You know, we, we live and then we pass to the next stage of life. And I think it would help a lot of people to, to understand that there is something beyond this world because there's been so much, if you look over the years, if you look at all the pioneers and the, the information that they've given, and I think that it gives a peace. That's what it is. And that's our job, to try and help people to see that they won't go to hell, you know, that there is yeah. a peace and a love on the other side. So beautifully put. Just want to let people know that if they want to learn more about James or wish to connect with him, please check out his website. That's jameshindman.com. That's J-A-M-E-S-H-Y-N-D-M-A-N.com. And you can learn more or connect with James. And I, again, thank you so much for today. I am so grateful. 
Thank you very much, Julian. God bless. God bless. That was an incredible conversation this afternoon. It was such a great experience to have the opportunity to talk to James. He has such a lovely way of describing his work with spirit. And his story, you know, from a skeptical individual to a medium and someone who now teaches mediumship. I just think that's fantastic. And if if anything, just James's journey is a really great example of, you know, what spirit can do in your life. And the other thing, I don't know, I find it very interesting, that whole concept of community. Not only the community of people that are also mediums or spiritualists, but also the clients and how they too can change, uh, not only from the experience, but from the friendship that you gain when you do this work. Friends, this concludes our episode. Tales from the Reading Room is produced by Susan Edwards and Katie Balfour and produced and hosted by me, Reverend Jillian Edwards. Special thanks to our guest, James Hyman, and all the music on this episode was created by purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. Thanks for listening. See ya!